0: to the very first edition of FAA Safety Briefing Live. FAA Safety Briefing Live is uh, designed to cover the latest issue of FAA Safety Briefing Magazine, which is the marginal issue, which was the uh, magazine on flying companions. And I'd like to welcome and introduce my co-host, Susan Parson. Susan, how are you this evening?
1: I'm great. And it's great to be here. Glad that we were able to uh, get through the technical difficulties and join you all. Um, I am the editor of the FA Safety Briefing Magazine. It's one of my favorite things to do because I get paid to write about my favorite subject and to, to think about it. So um, I'm thrilled that we can do this. Our purpose in bringing you this information is to give you a little bit of the story behind the story to introduce the magazine for the those who may not be familiar with it, and to give you an opportunity to earn WINGS credit uh, through this course and through the magazine. But most important, we're trying to do everything that we can to enhance safety. Um, Paul, um, you want to talk about WINGS credit and a little bit about yourself?
0: Sure. If you go to the program page, uh, you can see the the, um, visual that will direct you. You can click on that, um, and that will take you to the location where you can earn WINGS credit. And in order to get through a lot of the material in the quiz, you will need to have a look at the copy of the magazine and on our on our next visual, we show you the link to the print copy, or if you already have a copy, um, you need to work through some of the articles and that will guide you through the answers in order to get your wings credit uh, we're very Delighted tonight to have some very special guests, which we'll be introducing in just a moment. But Susan, for now, um, for those of you that may not be familiar, you know, with the FAA Safety Briefing Magazine, perhaps you could, um, you know, take us through the behind-the-scenes about its production and some of the content.
1: Sure, I'd be glad to. Uh, first of all, we are trying very hard to be to distinguish ourselves from other magazines that the community puts out. We're not trying to be like everybody else. So we have set ourselves up to be the safety policy voice for non-commercial GA, that's our mission statement. You'll see it on the magazine. And those are our goals you see on the screen, to raise awareness of the resources that the FAA offers for free, um, to explain safety and regulatory issues because we are able to do that in a way that other um, publications may not be able to, to do. Um, but most of all to encourage continued training and education and aviation safety because that's what we all care the most about. Uh, we have a number of, of departments, regular departments. Um, we have a focus uh, or a theme for each issue. And the reason we do that is that we, we want to try to give as much information we can, as we can on specific issues like we did for basic med, compliance philosophy, um, aeromedical, and now the issue that we're gonna talk about tonight. Um, and you'll notice there in yellow condition inspection. Um, that's that's a new column that is debuting in the March-April issue, and it's to talk about some of the specific medical conditions that pilots need to be aware of. So uh, we're we're very glad to have the opportunity to talk a little bit more about what we do.
0: It's great, thanks, Susan. And that that brings us to you know what's in this edition. It's the March and April edition, and it's called the Flying Companion issue. And Susan, this is not the first time there's been a flying companion issue. This is the the second issue of that. Why why is it so important?
1: Well, for, it is the second issue. Uh, the first one we did in July and August of 2014 was very popular. I've taught a lot of uh, classes for flying companions or pinch hitter. Um, I think what what it really comes down to is that we all are very much aware that our friends, neighbors, family especially, are very, very important to us in flying. We want to take family and friends with us. We want them to be comfortable in the airplane because to the extent that your family and friends are comfortable, uh, you get to go flying more or at least that's certainly my experience. And I think it's probably the experience of of our guests tonight as well. So um, these are some of the articles we'll be talking about a little bit. And I think that you will enjoy them all, not only as a pilot, but uh, we're hoping that you can hand this issue to your flying companions, whoever they may be, and have them learn something about um, about flying as well, and be more comfortable in the airplane, which is the most important part.
0: Well, it's one of the it's one of the pleasures of being a pilot, and that is we can share our our love and our passion, you know, for aviation with our with our family and our friends. Uh, but it's important that our our flying companions, you know, know the environment that they're in that, that they're at ease, and that they can be part of the uh, flying process itself. So it's, it's a great topic for tonight. And uh, with that, I'd like to introduce uh, some of our guests. Uh, first and foremost, we have John and Martha King. Um, John and Martha King are certainly friends and ambassadors, you know, to the industry, and you're so well-known, and um, all of us appreciate everything that the, the two
2: of you have done. Well, hello, folks. In case there's any confusion about this, I'm John King.
3: <laughs> and I'm Martha King. Paul, well, it's a delight to be with you. This is a very important topic, and we're really enthusiastic that you're covering it.
0: Well, we're so excited we're- about it as well. And Susan, we have some FAA guests that perhaps you could introduce.
1: I'll be delighted to. Uh, starting with uh, Kieran O'Farrell and Fred Kaiser, um, we, they, they are a couple Uh, I don't think it means anything that they're in separate places tonight other than the fact that Kieran had to travel. I don't think they had a fight in the airplane, but we'll ask them about that a little bit later. And we also have Brad Ziegler who did an absolutely fantastic article that if you haven't read it, you'll you'll love it. Um, Mates, Munchkins and Mutts. And uh, these are some of Brad's pictures I stole from from his Facebook page. Uh, That's where I got those Brad. And uh, Brad, for those of you who don't know, you may not know the man, but you know some of his work because he was very instrumental in basic meds. So we're thrilled to have him as
4: well. Thank you, Susan, thank you, glad to be here.
0: And we'll be bringing all of our guests back separately to um, ask for their contributions to um, how they fit into the companions uh, issue. Um, Before we do that though, The structure of the magazine, Susan, the content has been organized along the, you know, the structure of aviate, navigate, communicate, and mitigate. And, I mean, every pilot knows that aviate, navigate, and communicate are the priorities for pilots in order to how to manage the flight and how to manage risk, Um, you've added Mitigate to this as well. And what what's the importance of Mitigate? Is it the last in the sequence? Is it umbrella or is it something else?
1: It's the umbrella, but it's also the thread. Um, if you'll notice here, one of the reasons we did this particular slide is to show you that while we do address the aviate, navigate and communicate, Mitigate is where the content is the heaviest in this, in this issue of the magazine. And actually in several of the ones that we've done recently using this. What we're trying to do is get pilots accustomed to thinking about mitigation as part of what you do before, during, and uh, actually after the flight as well, because that's your opportunity to look at what happened and how to move, uh, how how to learn from what you may not have done perfectly this time. So, uh, mitigate is both an umbrella and a thread, and that is the lion's share of the content of this issue.
0: Yeah, well, it's great, and it's uh, I also happen to know that mitigate in terms of risk management is an essential part of the new airman certification standards that you've had quite a bit of work with.
1: Absolutely. And we're we're very glad to to introduce that and to hopefully get people thinking about it in the same way that you do aviate, navigate and communicate as critical things that you have to do when you're a pilot.
0: Sure. So let's let's move on and expand on that just a little bit. I I had a look at the the content in the in the magazine about Aviate, Navigate, and Communicate, and you made a comment in there about uh, bringing your A game. And what what do you mean by that?
1: Well, that's the title of one of the articles, uh, "Bring Your A Game," and the reason we I, I well I wrote that one. So I called it that because uh, when I hear Aviate, uh, and you know another word for it is fly the airplane. But I had a hard time figuring out what exactly does that mean. And finally it kind of dawned on me that it's uh it when you control your attitude, your airspeed, and your altitude, that is what aviating is all about. So that is essentially um so, so that turned into the A game. And if you read the article, you'll see I like to play with words. That's what I do. Um I had a good time with it, and I hope you will too.
0: So, you know, issue about flying companions. Why is it important to talk about Aviate, Navigate, and Communicate from that viewpoint?
1: Well, first of all, it's about, we're, we're trying to demystify, but when I've taught Flying Companion courses, a lot of times what people are concerned about is what happens if the pilot, something happens to the pilot and I have to take over. So by providing a little bit of information about the Aviate, um, the Navigate, and then that article, Flight of the Navigator, we talk a lot about the apps that are available now, and communicate, trying to demystify the language we speak in aviation. Um, That's that's all about trying to um, help the flying companions get a a greater comfort factor, um, and also provide a little bit of information to those who want to be helpful. And we'll talk about um, how your flying companions really can be helpful to you uh, if they're willing. So so it's it's about educating, demystifying, um, that sort of thing.
0: Well, and I'm sure that as pilots, we've all had that experience of having a, a, a passenger friend with us, and we want to put them at ease. And at the same time, if they can contribute to the overall flight and help us, that's kind of what this is about, isn't it?
1: I believe in putting everybody to work, and that includes all the instruments. Um, I, John is laughing. John King is laughing because he knows I do that. Um, yeah, I uh, I, I I always say that no instrument in the cockpit should get a free ride. And Uh, actually people in the cockpit shouldn't either.
0: That's great. Well, that um, provides a mechanism now for us to move on to um, Brad Ziegler. Um, And as you said, he wrote a very nice article called Mates, Munchkins, and Muts. Brad, welcome. Uh, Thank you so much for the article and being part of this program. Can you give us, you know, just a little bit of background about, how you got motivated to write this piece, Brad?
1: Uh, Brad appears to be frozen at the moment. Um, I think that may be in um, in he may be logging back in. Um, so, how about if we
0: go well, ahead? We'll, let's move on to John and Martha, and then we'll come back and 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 pick up with Brad.
2: Okay. Well, you know, what we're talking about here is the flying companions and getting along together in an airplane. And Marsha sure. and I have been flying in an airplane for a long, long time. We started flying together in 1969. But the problem is we haven't got, uh, all always gotten along all that well when we're flying together.
3: Uh, we've had some interesting times. Uh particularly when we were flying our Cessna 340 uh, teaching two-day ground schools. And sometimes we'd land back at our home airport and we'd drive home in just this stony silence. And you could practically see the steam coming out of our ears. Uh, The problem was that we're basically even in hours. We are even in ratings. We're both flight instructors And it's very easy for the person in the right seat to slip into the role of a flight instructor, even when they haven't been invited to do so. And and that doesn't make it run really smoothly.
2: So, you know, it it was double trouble because um, the person flying the aircraft didn't appreciate the unsolicited flight instruction. And so they were annoyed at this kind of you know, unsolicited flight instruction and the, and 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 being interfered with in their authority.
3: Or micromanaged. You know, or
2: micromanaged. But and and the person who was providing the unsolicited instruction was very uh, upset because they were being ignored. And after all, they're flight instructors. Why aren't you paying attention to me? I'm a flight instructor. So we we would each be annoyed with the other, no matter who was the pilot flying and who was the pilot supposedly instructing. Uh, And uh, at one time we were at a dinner party with a a friend of ours, Bob Wagstaff, who was the the, the husband of Patty Wagstaff. And I was telling Bob how difficult Martha can be, you know, providing this unsolicited instruction when I didn't want it. And and then she would say that I was equally difficult. And then we went back and forth. And Bob says, hey, folks, hold it, hold it. I can fix that problem for you. And not only that, I can fix it with one word. And I said, oh, you're not going to fix this problem with just one word. This has been going on for a long time. And we're deeply <laughs> frustrated with each other over it. So he says, well, I can fix it. And I said, okay, what's the word? He said, well, the word is captain.
3: And. The whole idea behind captain is that the person in the right seat, by using prefacing any remark they make with the word captain, is acknowledging the authority of the captain of the person flying, but they're also calling upon the captain's responsibility as captain to take input from. Uh, from other crew members or their flying companion if it's not a two-pilot aircraft, which Air 340, of course, was not.
2: Now, as you might guess, there were some rules that went along with this. And one of those rules is is that with I'm trying to give Martha uh, information, I say, Captain, and I can give her information. For instance, I can say to her, Captain, you're below glide path and sink rate is at 1,000 feet a minute. That's information. What I cannot do is give her my opinion and say, Martha, you're below the glide path. You're way too damn low. And so I cannot do that. That's my opinion. So I have to treat her with civility and respect. Uh, I have to be uh, assertive with uh, with respect. And, and,
3: and, and on the other hand, as captain, I have to exercise authority with participation. In other words, I have to to not only accept, I have to solicit the uh, participation of whoever's in the right seat with me uh, because we're flying as a team and it takes both. And And I'm, I'm still behaving, exercising authority as pilot in command, but encouraging the participation of other people in the aircraft in order to make it a better flight.
2: You know, almost everyone who flies with us is a pilot and our airplane is hooked up with headsets at every seat because it'd be cruel and unusual punishment to make them ride along and not know what's going on So I don't know it might be cruel and what's that? It might be cruel
1: and unusual to make, like, make them listen to you fight. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Absolutely, it would. So we treat each other very, very formally. We, uh, we don't give opinions. We give information. We t- treat each other with enormous respect. And it's been a huge change. And we get great satisfaction out of flying together. It, it, it sounds
0: like what you've me, what you've you know, done is you've you've professionalized it without personalizing it. Is that correct?
3: Exactly. Uh, we we've found that uh, either friends or employees that are in the airplane with us um, don't feel particularly comfortable if John and I end up in a fight in the cockpit. So and so we work very hard, as you said, Paul, to depersonalize everything, to use <clears throat> non. Um, non-argumentative, non-stressful language, non-accusatory language. Uh, And, you know, the whole key to this all is respect, showing each other respect. And uh, as you know from your airline flying and training, just being very professional and very standardized.
0: Well, and what we we tell our our crews is that we, we really only want two things from them. We want them to respect our procedures and respect each other.
2: Yeah, exactly. And well, we have finally, finally
0: learned to do that.
2: Well, and so, you, you all
0: have a sophisticated all, method of determining who's going to be captain.
3: Oh, we have a very simple method. Um, we trade uh, left seat on every leg. Perfect. No, no throwing the dice, no elaborate, you know, what day of the month is it or whatever. We just swap seats
2: every leg. But I, I want to make it clear. She's only a little bit better pilot than I am. <laughs> <laughs>
3: you used to say I was a lot better. <laughs>
2: but, who's,
0: but who's the most difficult to get along with? I missed that part.
2: <laughs> I think we're going to pass on that, Paul. All
0: right. That's good CRM. <laughs> so, John and Martha, th- Susan, go ahead.
2: I was just going to
1: say, I want to say thank you to the two of you. Um, I used you in one of my articles um, about the Pilot Squared article is what I called it. Um, because it, the, by listening to your story about Captain, you taught me about uh, how to get along with really any other pilot in the airplane. And I almost came to grief one time by, uh, well, I, did, I, I didn't I did have a pleasant flight one time when I was with somebody who was trying to be an instructor. And ever since then, I've tried to follow your advice. So um, I, I really, you've probably saved a lot of friendships without realizing it.
3: One of the things that we've found over the years is if the person in the right seat is a pilot and not someone that you fly with regularly uh, where you're used to each other, if you possibly can, it's important to give them a job to do, whether it's handling the radios or or something like that, because it's just in the nature of pilots that they want to be involved. They want to do something. And if you don't, Put them on the track you want them on. Um, uh, you're going to see hands flying in the cockpit, tur- uh, flipping switches, jer- turning knobs, and you aren't going to be able to keep up with what they're doing. So, so we work very hard when we're flying with a, a pilot who we don't regularly fly with to give them jobs that will uh, let them participate because participation is what makes the whole thing fun.
2: The key to it is a briefing before you go. <laughs> of course. Of course.
0: Well, thank you both so much. It's it's a pleasure to, to share this with you. Susan, our, our next guest are your FAA friends and colleagues. Can you leave us off, please?
1: Fred, yes. Don't you love this picture? The old timey airplane. Uh, that's another that I appropriated from your Facebook page. I'm sure you recognize it. So um, Fred and Karen have uh, a long time. um Friends of mine, colleagues as well, Uh, you've probably seen them both at various um, events like Sun and Fun and AirVenture. You'll see them for sure at Sun and Fun in a couple of weeks. Um, But uh, Karen and Fred have some interesting stories about flying together, too, and and maybe a little bit of a different take on who is the pilot when they're flying together. So um, Karen, I'm going to start with you because you're my buddy, Thelma of film and Louise, tell tell us how you do that.
5: Well, thank you, Louise. Um, first of all, it's a it's a great pleasure to be here. Um, uh, big fans of the magazine, and I love following the Kings. I mean, um, you know, it, it's you know we are, we are not worthy. That's all we can say. Following <laughs> the Kings, um, we're not as quite as formal about the captain thing, but I think we're going to adopt that. I like it a lot. I think it could uh, benefit us. Um, kind of the method we've gone about it is we always decide who's going to be pilot in command before we get in the airplane and we've kind of done that because we fly a lot of um different uh kinds of airplanes and our expertise um is in the different kind of airplanes so i have more experience in the seaplanes, um so i'm the pilot in command for those fred has more experience in like the ski planes and the tail draggers so He's pilot in command in those, and when it comes to your conventional gear, um, that you know we're kind of equal there. Uh, so we split it up, but it's always fun. But it is that is a decision made way in advance.
6: <laughs> well, Randy,
5: take well, on that.
6: Well, you know, let's let's face it. My first flight with her was in a seven thirty seven two hundred sim in Vancouver, Canada, and. She was a captain, and I was her first officer, and after that flight, I realized that, um, you know, I think I'm going to try to make her the captain of my life. Uh, (laughs) uh, You you, you think about, about skill transfer. When you've been flying bush aircraft, beavers, and whatnot, and you transfer those skill sets to a jet, they're a little bit different though there's a lot of difference between the two aircraft but she did it with impeccable skill and you know we've we've learned over our years of flying that um we we don't want to make a mistake and i often tell her on the flight deck is don't let me do something today that'll kill us uh that's you know we're always cognizant of that principally you know we've lost a lot of friends up in alaska uh, and it's just one of those deals that, you know, you you plan the flight before you leave. And if you've done the due diligence, if you do encounter a problem in the flight, then you're going to have a change of plans and not necessarily an emergency. Because you've planned it out. You've thought it out. And, uh, you know, she is, she is a consummate check individual. Uh, and her mind is sharp um she catches me probably 90 percent of the time well like john and martha you know was saying earlier you know they they know us they know our tendencies and they watch what we do and how we act and and she keeps me out of trouble but um um we uh we have learned a lot in our in our flying career about what not to do um and i'll let karen tell the other side of this story About
0: what not to do. Well, Karen, before you do that, do you do you have uh, some recollections of some really good flights that you and Fred have done together, and you know, maybe the opposite? And what have you learned from it?
5: I do, Um, and you know, there's two flights that stick out in my mind. And I'll start with the I'll start with the one that didn't turn out so well for us. And um, this is um, when we're working for the FAA and we had uh, taken a float plane out, and um, we wanted to go out to the outer coast of Alaska, um, out by Juneau towards Elfin, Elfin Cove, and Pelican. And we started late, and it was getting late coming back, and the weather it was definitely set, settling in all around us. And so um, we made a decision. You know, I'm like, "This, this, we can't go back to Elfin Cove. That, that door's shut." Remember, we're Davey Farnon, You know uh, float plane. And it's probably, I don't know, I think it was around 7:30 at night. And while going to Juno, that, that had also, uh, the fog had settled in behind us. So there was a little, um, code called hobbit hole and we popped into hobbit hole and made the decision. We'll stay here till night. And so we tied up the plane to a, a log and, uh, you know, spent, spent the night in the airplane thinking about, you know, that was, that was really smart. Well, you know, Aviation will, will um, humble you in an, in a minute because in the morning I woke up and the sun was glistening to the trees. It was a beautiful day. The fog was breaking up. It was early. I was like, perfect. Let's get out. Let's get this thing going. And, well, the runway had gone away because the tide went out. <laughs>
0: and now we, have,
1: <laughs>
5: now we have, you know, a good four hours of quality time as everybody we know is flying over us, calling down, asking us if we need a tide book. So yeah, that, that that was uh, embarrassing on on a, a number of levels. Uh, certainly, the fact that we relate to work, um, you know, that day too. And so, yeah, that one didn't really turn out well. Um, I don't. We we talked about this for a long, long time after that, and how we got to that point. Um, you know, where we were just there. We were. So, yeah, that that one taught us a lot of humility, a lot. So that was the one that didn't turn out well at all, and it's still embarrassing when I think about it. But, hey, lessons learned.
0: Oh, we've all had those okay. lessons, haven't we? Oh, yeah. Yeah.
6: in well, a good know, flight? I'm sorry. Go ahead.
0: Yeah. One of your best flights together?
6: Well, the without a doubt, the best flight I've ever had with her, we took, uh, we took our goddaughter out to a cabin on Seymour Canal and uh this was her first flight you know really in a bush plane going out into a remote cabin that kind of stuff so it was a it was a big treat for her um the thing the thing that's odd about a lot of the remote cabins is these folks have very large concrete pads and so that's pretty much what we tie the aircraft up it's offshore we have a pulley system to bring them in and bring them out uh, that way, the folks don't get chewed up on uh, the gravel. So that was, um, that was one of the things we did. That was one of the things you said on the beach and marvel about. But, you know, you you take people out, you show them the, the wilderness, you show them the, the whales, you show them the animals. Uh, literally every single day that we were there was just a, an eye-opening experience for this young gal. Uh, The weather cooperated. It was beautiful. Um, I think Karen flew out. I flew back. It was, without a doubt, probably the most memorable flight of my life. Uh, And it will always always stick with me because that was actually the last time we saw her alive. She died a few months later, and uh, it it was a meaningful event to us that we still talk about today.
0: And, and Karen, is there a single singular piece of advice that you have for flying companions like yourselves?
5: Oh yeah, um, yeah. never take an argument you have on the ground into the air. Um, we we uh, one one Saturday we really wanted to go out and visit some friends at a forest service cabin. They had left the day before, and we couldn't go out that day, so we were going out the following day, and we got up to the plane, and there was an incoming front. And the rule in Alaska is never pushing incoming front. And we're getting the plane ready and I'm looking and the waves and the winds, you know, popping up and it's getting worse. And I'm like, I, I don't like this. This doesn't look good. And the Fred's like, Oh, you know, it's we're we're good. We got some time. We'll we'll get there before it hits. And I'm like, No, I don't I, I don't I don't like it, you know. And so we stood there and we had this heated discussion about it for a minute. Minute and then um, I think I said to him, you know we read about people like us every day in our jobs mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and we stopped and we kind of saw that we were becoming that you know that that person that wanted to get somewhere and we kind of just stopped and laughed um, for a minute about it and that's when we came up with um, our next rule which was the most conservative opinion wins a day. Now, I did hold over the fact to Fred that I was a meteorologist and that, you know, (laughs) the weather decision, uh, that was a little more expertise, but um, that has served us well. Whoever had the more conservative decision, um, that's that's one we're going with. I've never read accents and reports of people that regretted, um, as Susan was saying, mitigating something or being more conservative, but I I know there's a lot of them uh, that wish that they were.
0: Sure. Well, congratulations to both of you for. Your, your flying career and your adventures. And it sounds like you have a lot of fun doing it.
5: We do. Thanks.
4: It's great to be
0: here. That's great. So we see we have Brad Ziegler back with us. Hi, Brad.
4: Hi. Sorry about that. I had to uh, squawk 7600 for a few minutes there, <laughs> but uh, made it back on uh, okay here. That's perfect. So where we left off um, was
0: your, your article about flying with mates, munchkins, and mutts was uh, an article all about mitigation uh, and flying companions. and um, our, to start to start off, what's what was the motivation for your
4: for your article? Sure. Well, first of all, I just want to say, uh, one, I'm a teeny bit jealous of John and martha and and Fred and Karen because you both get to fly with your uh, spouse. Uh, but I have to say, though, that my wife, who is a non-pilot, I don't have to split flight time with her. So <laughs> you know, I get to log all the flight time. Perfect. But uh, to, to just uh, give you an idea of the motivation for writing this article, um, the, uh, if you look at the picture there, you're probably wondering, why the heck is this guy uh, flying with a uh, half-naked uh, toddler uh, sitting in the front seat? Well, the fact is, is we're sitting on the ground there, uh, in St. John, uh, Newfoundland and, or excuse me, in St. John, uh, New Brunswick. And, uh, this was, uh, th- this was, this particular flight was part of my motivation for wanting to write this article. You know, we were, uh, flying up to Nova Scotia from Washington, DC. My, uh, wife was in the back seat with my little guy. I was sitting up front. We were happy just cruising along and. uh, uh, Eight thousand feet, and uh, you know, I, I turned around, and my wife says, uh, "He, you know, Will doesn't look like he's doing so well back there." And next thing I know, um, he's uh, yeah, revisiting his uh, his lunch, and I think, "Oh, wow!" So uh, you know, it was time to make a uh, unplanned uh, landing at a. Uh, unplanned airport and you know I, I was able to get on the ground and work through all the details of clearing customs at Canada at an airport that I did not originally plan to land at but it made me think wow I was not ready for that and so and 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 in and, and sitting down and, and, and working through what are the things I would share with others you know that flight was a part of my motivation for doing that and you know it's really uh, it, it's Really been a, an exciting uh, lesson of you know how to uh, fly with your family. And these are the things that they don't teach you when you're working on your private pilot certificate. Is you know how to deal with a puking toddler in the back seat. So that was uh th- that was really exciting. And you know to be honest, um, not all of the things in that article are, are mine. I I uh, asked my wife Michelle. I said, Hey, do you have any thoughts? And you know. And, 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 and she had uh, several different um, things that she wanted to share, which I, I brought through in that article as well. Oh, that's great. Um, other things in, in your article, Brad,
0: you sort of mentioned about pre-flight considerations. And um, what, what do you do different that might be good guidance for uh, pilots and their non-pilot friends and family, especially when you're talking about pre-flight?
4: Sure. Well, uh, two of two of my most frequent passengers are, are my toddler, Will, and uh, Baxter, my Jack Russell Terrier. And anyone who knows a Jack Russell Terrier knows that uh, they are wild dogs. And so one of the things I learned early on was if you want to have a pre-flight inspection of your aircraft with as few distractions as possible, uh, you, you need to relocate your uh, your, your little ones. So, you know, one of the things my wife and I worked out is when we travel anywhere, um, I, I leave for the airport first with the whole with the luggage and uh, and my checklist. And she shows up eh, about 45 minutes later. And that gives me enough time to top off the fuel or I say top off the appropriate amount of fuel depending on our weight and balance. Um, load up all the all the weight, you know, and you know, figure out whether or not I want to bring my wife's anvil collection with us today or not, and uh, really get a chance to get a good walk around the airplane without having her, uh, yeah, without having her or or my little guy. Uh, you know, following me around and, you know, possibly distracting me. And, you know, when he gets older, of course, we'll have an opportunity to do that together. But the great sure. thing about doing it that way is so that I get a chance to just spend a moment, sort of get in the zone and brief myself for the flight and kind of walk myself through it, visualize uh, what what we're going to be doing, get a good opportunity to brief the weather without all the distractions that you might have when you have passengers uh, uh, standing there watching you and i will say there's another advantage for my wife because she feels like a rock star when she pulls up parks the car hops out jumps in everything's loaded and off we go now martha i bet john doesn't do that for you does he
3: it uh, gets pretty close <laughs> on the, he handles the outside of the airplane and i handle the inside on our pre Yeah,
2: okay we, we split up everything That's great.
0: <laughs> Brad, you Brad, you also brought up a, a couple of other concepts in your article. Uh, two of them were the ultimate safety pilot, and the other was you can't take all that. Sure. So I think I know what you mean by that, but can you just uh, spend a moment or two on that, please?
4: Sure. Well, ultimate uh, safety pilot, that is an excellent article. It was written by FAA's uh, uh, flight surgeon, uh, Dr. Mike Barry, and, and it really brings home a really great point about what, how a passenger can act as a safety pilot, and we all we all know of a safety pilot from perhaps a a ninety one point one oh nine reference to the person who sits next to you when you're using a view limiting device and um, you know acts as your eyes when you're uh, under the hood flying uh, uh, by instruments. Now, um, I I I look at another definition of of safety pilot as perhaps. A person who's there, who is able to give, you know, a, a, a second opinion on on who you are. And, and my wife, even though she's sitting in the back seat, she is a great safety pilot because she knows me better than I know myself. Sometimes she knows when I'm not feeling so great. She knows when I'm stressed, and she is she's one of those folks who is not afraid to speak up and say, "Hey, are you sure are you okay to make this flight?" And that is what's key to having a, a supportive spouse is someone who is okay with, uh, with, with, with uh, you know, making, helping you make that go no go decision and being very understanding when uh, no go is, is the right thing. And uh, Karen and Fred were talking about uh, the person with the most conservative opinion wins. And I, I think that's a, a great, a great statement because you know, that's how it is for us. And, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, she may see something that I don't see, you know, even from a non-pilot's perspective of, you know, certain limitations. Now, I'll, I'll, I'll share an example that took place just this weekend, actually. Uh, my wife and I were flying down to the Outer Banks of North Carolina. It's a wonderful hour and 45-minute flight in our Cessna 182. And a absolutely disastrous seven hour drive in Washington D.C. traffic on a Friday afternoon. But you know, in, in talking about the flight and looking at the circumstances of leaving on the leaving on a Friday afternoon after a meeting, and knowing that we both have to get to a meeting first thing Monday morning with a, a nor'easter blowing in uh, over the week and potentially on Sunday. You know, we we knew that there was a possibility of having some issues flying back, and so my wife has flown with me long enough to know that, uh, you know, having the option of being able to drive and, and not express, you know, it's okay to be disappointed, but not, uh, not to the degree of, uh, you know, she, she knows not to uh, pressure me into making the flight, and she trusts my my decision making. So in that situation it was really great because it was a collaborative decision with both her and I. And that's really what a great uh, non flying spouse is, is someone who's willing to, you know, work with you and and, and help make a, a good and safe decision. And the
0: the other item you talked about it's kind of a mitigation strategy is about you can't take all that with you. I heard you reference something about anvil collections and things like that. So that's that's an important thing to brief our passengers, isn't it?
4: Absolutely. And, you know, one of the things uh, that my wife uh, and I you know, discussed early on and when we first started uh, when we first bought this airplane, started making long, long trips is you know, it's not quite like loading up the Ford Explorer with uh, everything and just going off wherever. You know, Although most we, people that uh,
0: have a 182 will tell you that it is, so. well,
4: you know, I'm not going to lie. It can carry a lot of weight, and uh, and 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 that's a fantastic thing. But uh, you know, every every flight, uh, we're we're you know doing a weight and balance and making sure that you know we have uh, we have enough uh, 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 that we've effectively uh, worked out the weight and balance so that sure. the plane is. Uh, is good to go. And, and, you know, that we, uh, it appropriately and that's part of my pre-flight plan is to, sure. you know, look at what we have and, and, and make those appropriate, uh, decisions.
0: Susan, if I could, uh, go back to you for just a moment. Um, you have a mnemonic about called safety, which is about mm-hmm. how we brief our, our passenger companions. Um, what is that? And, um, Expand on that just a bit for us.
1: You know, as we all know, one of the things, regardless of who's in the airplane, we have to brief our passengers on certain things, starting with seat belts. Um, I personally try to make sure that my passengers in general aviation airplanes pay more attention than most people do on airliners, you know, sitting there uh, not looking at, at the, the uh, briefing. But uh, one of the things that I suggest in the magazine for the benefit of, of people is safety because this covers, you can easily remember the word, um, but it covers all the things that you need to talk about. So we actually have it in my flying clubs airplane. We have little cards that say safety and it's on our checklist that this is something that you, it's obviously not required, but you can use this to brief your passengers on what they need to do. Um, The traffic and talking piece. I mean, this is, I mean, obviously those pieces are all important in your questions. But the traffic and talking leads to our next um, piece. You know, because one of the things that we can ask pilots or non-pilots, our flying companions, to do is we can ask them to do something affirmative, which is to help look out for traffic. And uh, moving on to the next slide, we have we have a, a, a piece on that particular thing, plane spotting. But but the other one is talking. Um, I don't know how you do it with a toddler, Brad, or with the mutts that you take along, your Jack Russell Terrier, but um, certainly you want to let your passengers know when it is appropriate to talk. I always tell people, if you see an airplane, I want to know about it, but if it's something that can wait and while we are trying to get out of the busiest part of the traffic pattern, then um, you know, hold on to that. And so plane spotting is something that I think passengers can do to be helpful. But it also it, it helps give them something to do, too. Hopefully we're not flying in this, but I love the picture.
0: Yeah. And in, and Susan, um, there's articles about um, you've you, you called them when the wind blows and a weather wingman. What tell us about that?
1: Well, some of it is about, um, well, the when the wind blows, we call that the mini weather wiki for non-pilots. Because um, when I first started flying, you know, people who were watching me said, oh, gosh, you know, Susan will get interested in anything. Uh, Kieran, I'm sorry, I wasn't a meteorologist. But she'll get interested in anything if you can connect it to flying. And there's a there's a fair amount of truth to that. Um, but I, you know, was trying to figure out what, uh, you know, how to learn what we're looking for so this is a little bit of a of a primer uh, demystification for non pilots on what it is that pilots are looking for when we pour over the weather and brad when you're talking about uh our care and you know we're talking about weather that means that we can't fly it's it's a little bit of an education for people on what are the conditions that you really can't safely take a general aviation airplane in um, whether wingman is an article that talks about pilot reports or pyreps, that one's more aimed for pilots themselves. And uh, as they, they, they make the, we make the point in this article that we, we tend to think about pyreps when something is bad, if you find ice or turbulence or things like that. But it's also <laughs> awfully important to report to other pilots when you don't find those things. Because sometimes the forecast can sound pretty awful. And if somebody has gone ahead of you and says, hey, there's not ice out here after all, that, that gives you a lot of useful information as well. So, again, a lot of the things in this issue, we're aiming content at both uh, non-pilot flying companions, but also at at pilots who can, you know, use that to help make your passengers more comfortable.
0: Excellent. So- we want to extend a special thank you to all of our, our uh, guests for helping us through this uh, part of the program. And if we can get the man behind the scenes to advance us to the uh, slide on where to find us, uh, we'll have a little bit more information. Um, FAA Safety Briefing, the March and April issue, has a lot of content. Um, you know, we've been able to share some of it with you, but of course there's, um, there's a great deal more. And Um, what are some of the other places where Susan, our readers can, can learn more about the articles?
1: Well, this is the webpage. There's also a link on the side of the screen. Um, and you can subscribe to a print copy. There will be lots of copies at sun and fun. If you're planning to go, um, if you go to a safety seminar, a fasting safety seminar, you're likely to find copies there, but if you want to do what I do and read it on the iPad, um, you can download for free in a variety of, of electronic formats, carry it around with you and read it as you wish. Um, you can follow us on Twitter. We do have um, Adobe Spark articles that are a pretty easy bite-sized pieces. And just to, to make the point again, um, you know, we certainly didn't try to make the quiz hard or difficult because, gosh, I take those quizzes, so believe me, I didn't make it <laughs> difficult. Um, but I did try to um, to to make it so that you need to maybe have a copy of the magazine handy electronically or otherwise when you take the quiz.
0: Thanks, Susan. So I know that you're always in production mode, working on the next issues and that you're already preparing some articles. Um, tell us about the next the next couple of issues.
1: Well, we are. Um, I, I'm partial to flying white horses. Um, I have a car that has the Pegasus license plate on it. Um, but uh, we're, we're calling our May-June issue, which we're wrapping up production on right now, the Pegasus issue, because we're going to look at, av- at research that benefits general aviation and that's focused on general aviation safety. Um, the FAA um, goes into partnership with uh, the community, academics, uh, industry for for some of the Research and we're focusing on one partnership in particular, which is called the Partnership to Enhance General Aviation Safety, Accessibility, and Sustainability. See, I said that, John. Are you impressed? I can see (laughs) your face. Um, So, that is it. The acronym is Pegasus, so we're calling it the Pegasus Issue. And we're not just talking about the projects and what they can do for you, but we are weaving in the Pegasus mythology. So, we hope you'll enjoy that.
0: Absolutely. And the next issue?
1: Oh, the next one is really going to be fun. Um, <laughs> I stole this idea from you, and I'll let you explain why.
0: So, Casablanca, of course, is a classic movie. It's it's got everything you could possibly want in a movie. It's got some quotes that have endured into modern day times. Um, it's got airplanes, and it's got a classic <laughs> love story. So, you know what? What more could you want? And And where this actually came from, the the issue is going to be called Round Up the Usual Suspects, uh, which is a famous quote from the movie. Where this actually came from is I was teaching a class to our uh, flight instructor staff about what they were seeing online and what they were seeing in the simulator. And um, one of our instructors stood up and he said, well, you know, we we see the usual suspects, uh, some problems with stalls, some problems with single engine work and problems with non-precision approaches. And I thought, oh usual suspects. And I actually began to think that if the usual suspects keep being the usual suspects, we need to do a better job of training. And uh, so that's going to be the focus of the July August issue. And Susan, I think you could tell us a little bit more.
1: Yeah, well, when we we do our planning meetings uh, far out in advance, and one of the magazine staff, and by the way, I hope that you'll please look at the bios of the rest of the magazine team on the side. Uh, Tom Hoffman is our managing editor. editor. Jennifer Karen is one of our writer editors. James Williams and Paul Cianciolo, who's the social media lead. So when you see us on Twitter and Facebook, um, a lot of that is, is Paul's work. Um, but anyway, I, I was one of the staff, I won't say which one, tried to say, well, we need to do a, an issue on a specific subject. And I kind of rolled my eyes. No, that's just we, we always write about that. I don't want to do it again. And then another topic came up and I suddenly, because Paula told me his usual suspects story, all of a sudden it just hit me that uh, we could do an issue about the usual suspects. However, and this goes to something else we tried to do with this magazine. I absolutely will not tolerate stodgy boring. I want, I, we're not mm-hmm. gonna do that. Um, so what we're trying to do is to make useful information interesting and entertaining. And uh, we have a lot of great ideas for our Casablanca issue, which will be the um the Oshkosh issue. Uh, I think we're gonna have a lot of fun doing it, and I hope you'll have a lot of fun reading it as well.
0: It sounds, sounds like
1: fedora i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna wear i'm thinking about being the silhouette on the cover with one of those ingrid Bergman hats
0: i'll I'll look for that <laughs>
5: <laughs> yeah. I still see it all right to
0: find it. So just a quick reminder about the Wings credit that's available uh, for this program. Uh, There's there's the visual about uh click on that link. Um and you would need a again need a copy of the magazine to uh help work your way through some of the answers. Uh that actually wraps up the first edition of FAA Safety Briefing Live. I want to once again extend my very special thanks to John and Martha King, to Karen O'Farrell, to Freddie Kaiser and to Brad Ziegler, and of course, my co-host and colleague, Susan Parson. Susan?
1: Um, thank you again. I'll, I'll echo that. I also want to say thanks to John the uh, Fast Team TV. John has done a really terrific job tonight in working us through the technical difficulties and uh, and making, uh, making this broadcast possible. So I'm sure we've all learned a lot. And when you see us in May, Um, Just like we do with every flight, we want to take the lessons that we learn in this occasion and carry them through next time. So that's what we're going to do. Thank you for joining us. Um, Hope you get wings credit. Hope you enjoy the magazine and good night from me.
0: We'll see you in May.